Welcome to the 203rd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on November 1st, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And 50% of this year's show with me is the guy who was an alternate for the great British baking show, Carlos Rodella. Yes, and I failed my creation. It was a sad day, but I was polite about it when I failed. <laughs> that donut didn't look too bad. I probably would have eaten it. You should feel, feel good about what you did there. Fine, sir. It was a donut cake, I'll have you know. Uh, <laughs> it's a difference. All right, all right, folks. Enough about baking goods. Although that is an interesting segue because today is a very special episode. Uh, rather than do our normal game chat... We are having a special guest. Uh, we just got off the phone with him a second ago, so we will now present our interview with the president, founder, chief developer, head honcho, big cheese, primary enchilada, Nathan Fouts of Mommy's Best Games. He's here to talk about Shoot One Up DX, which recently released on the Switch, and he's also going to be talking about his history at AAA development. He's going to be talking about founding his own studio. He's going to be talking about the Xbox 360, and so much more it's a really interesting discussion and again this is not a normal show but we do hope that you will stick with us and hear what nathan has to say i think it's a great chat carlos do you agree yes it was an awesome time please listen especially if you're an independent developer or want to know more about independent games it's super cool and also we talk about baking i think and also probably squirrels there we go it is a great episode please tune in and give us your feedback if you'd like to hear us do more episodes like this let us know if there's certain people you would like us to interview please let us know uh, but for now, uh, with no further ado, we will get into the chat with Nathan, and we're on our way. Let's take a listen. All right, we don't do special guests very often here on So Video Games, but we're doing one right here and right now. Tonight, I am very pleased and very honored uh, to introduce probably one of our very first ever special guests, Carlos. Am I right? Have we had anybody else on the show before? I, I think so. Did Santa stop by at some point? He brought like a couple a presents one time. That yeah. was about it. And he, I don't think anybody else... I may be wrong, because we've done <laughs> you know 200 episodes. It's hard to remember. But I think this may be our first time of having an outside special guest who wasn't like a fellow podcaster. So right. happy, overjoyed, excited to introduce Nathan Fouts, president, lead designer, and pumpkin pie baker at Mommy's Best Games. Nathan Fouts, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, what a special honor to be a special guest. Uh, we are so glad to have you. Now, before we go any further, I got to do a full disclosure. Nathan, I do know you. We're not strangers. Uh, we are mm. kind of friends. I've met you before in person, and we've had mm. a, a, a storied history together, I think <laughs> might be okay to say. Uh, you were on the Game Critics uh, podcast back in the day, at least once or twice, maybe twice. And mm -hmm. we talked about all your games. And it's weird. We were just talking offline a second ago about how... I mean, I'm very familiar with your work, and even before you did uh, Mommy's Best Game stuff, but I'm guessing that a lot of people listening to the podcast maybe are not too familiar with the work, and maybe maybe I've never even heard of you before, because like we are introducing your work to an all-new generation of players, which is really weird, a really weird thing to say, it's, but it's, really it's weird. crazy, right? Yeah, it's very yeah I mean, I don't know what I like more, people rebuying my remastered games, <laughs> or new gamers hearing about it and wanting to play them again, or for the first time, rather. So uh, they're both very exciting gamers. <laughs> I like well, all people. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they buy your game, right? Either yes. way, it doesn't matter which yes. way, right? So before we get into the, the nitty-gritty of our interview here, Nathan, why don't, if you don't mind, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into games? Who are you? Where are you from? What's your deal, man? Like, what's going on? <laughs> 
I'm old and cranky. Um, I'm from Indiana, and uh, originally. And now um, I traveled the world, and now I'm back living in Indiana. I used to work um, for Running With Scissors. I worked on a Duke Nukem game or two or three. Um, I used to work at Insomniac Games. And then I decided to go uh, indie back before it was cool in um, 2007. And that's when I formed Mommy's Best Games. That was, you know, you were not, you were not kidding, brother, because that was way before it was cool to be indie. And in fact, you were one of the leading voices and one of the most prominent developers when indie games were being brought to console for the first time. And in fact, you were like one of the most outspoken people at that time. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, there was a lot of piss and vinegar back then, but it's all, (laughs) yeah, the wine has turned to vinegar and back again. Now I'm just drunk all the time. I don't know. (laughs) So hey, we're, we're all drunk all the time right now, by the way. <laughs> it's the best way to do 2020. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, there's don't, no other don't way drink, to do kids. it. Don't drink, kids. Anyway. <laughs> this is not our show advocating alcohol. Yes, please don't yes. drink. And if you do drink, drink responsibly. Uh, so back in the day, Nathan, uh, when Xbox 360 was just starting to bring indies, you really got in there and you, you cranked out a bunch of really cool games at that time, right? I did. Um, thanks. Yeah, there was a lot of cool people. And I'll tell you what, I was in the XNA uh, community, and it was just a really fantastic and special community and group to be a part of. Um, just the lightning in a bottle kind of situation where the technology worked, the console worked, the community came together, and uh, and it was special. And it lasted, you know, five or six years there and a couple of years, and then it just kind of fell apart like a band falling apart or something but um it was super cool so like radian games and um james silva scott studios there was a lot of really cool developers back then um that made all kinds of neat stuff and some of them are still going for sure can i can i just jump in real quick because not you you said something that rang a bell for me x and a i haven't heard that for a while years Um, yeah but i was a really big part of it i'm a proponent of it um from the game critic side and from the uh, journalistic side uh, actually created a show called XNA Roundup. Uh, I remember with, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, it was my buddy's show, Nick. Uh, he actually created it. Yes! And then I, I joined forces with him. We did a show <laughs> and we like reviewed all the games at XNA. Oh, that's so good. Isn't that crazy? A small world. That is crazy. A big tip of the hat to you because, um, you know, what the big uh, obstacle we had back then was the idea of. I don't know, the return of the bedroom coder. It was right. like the 1980s all over again with like John Carmack and, you know, Richard Garriott and Roberta Williams and all them. Like, like now we're back again, but we're on consoles. Yeah. And I, I, did, I did phone calls with IGN and, you know, about Weapon of Choice, my first um, release is Mommy's Best Games. And I didn't mind. I got it. They were laughing with me and at me at the same time. You know, they were just like, who is this guy? This is weird. You know what I mean? Like, he made a game and released it on the Xbox. What? By himself? You know, which is, like, totally standard now. But um, at the time, it was it was pretty crazy. So, it was. Um, yeah. yeah to, to bring it back to console, you're right. Like, because indie games on the PC side was obviously a huge thing in the beginning. That's what games were, right? Like, um, And uh, I actually am um, a big fan of Richard. Uh, and I actually met, got to meet him and, and talk to him a bunch on on Twitter and in person, and uh, yeah, indie PC nice. games, you just like sold them out the back of your car, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I and mean, then to do was... that again on the console. Well, like, yeah, you were talking about Richard, yeah, Richard Garriott. I mean, he was obviously a big deal, but then like, you know, jump ahead to whatever, 2005, and you got like Cave Story and Pixel and stuff like that kind totally. of rolling around, and then like Geometry Wars. So Geometry Wars, when it came out on Xbox 360, 
that was what made me say, wait, they, it was made by a couple people? You know what I mean? And at the very same time, XNA was starting to get created in the Microsoft side. And that's when I, I, I was actually, I, I started working on my own engine beforehand, and then they just got usurped by XNA, where I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how good this is. We'll, we'll just use that. Yeah. And that's when I started making games. And I'll tell you what, to this day, when I can think, I think back to getting Weapon of Choice, getting a game to run from my computer on a retail Xbox 360 on a CRT, because this is three by, you know, four by three res resolution back then, just seeing it with those real scan lines, not, you know, not shader, graphic shader scan lines, like real, uh, just seeing the game run on that TV, uh, gosh, it was incredible. That's so oh, cool. Man, amazing. Yeah. So, Nathan, let's talk about this period in time for a little bit longer. I know maybe a lot of people listening to the show perhaps have no familiarity with it. Maybe this is an all-new thing they're hearing about. I think it's worth going into for a second. So sure. when you left, like, larger studios and you set out to do your own thing, like, your intention wasn't to get on Xbox 360. Was it or was it? So I was in Insomniac Games, and we were finishing up Ratchet & Clank uh, Tools of Destruction and um, on the PS PS3, and I was just, I couldn't do, I'd, I'd worked in the industry for 10 years professionally at that point, AAA and, well, whatever running with scissors is, but they're awesome. <laughs> so I was, you know, getting paid, making money, and I was getting burnt out making other people's games, and basically I was going to, when I saw Geometry Wars on the Xbox 360, I was doing the f little phone calls to publishers to try to sell them on my new game, Weapon of Choice. And um, it was as hard as ever, but we were writing our own engine and we were gonna get it to work on somebody's console. The Wii had just gotten announced, right around, you know, or working right around and then. We were talking to Nintendo. And then, like I said, we had half an engine kind of working from scratch um, in, in C++. And then we started learning about X and A and how easy they were, they were trying to make it change over to, um, to uh, send it over to the Xbox 360. And once we learned how good that was going to be, then we shifted everything over to this new code, like C sharp, what? Like, that was kind of a new language back then. And we're just like, wow, I can't believe it. So yeah, it was a commitment to go to Xbox 360 only, but you know, between PS3, I, I had contacts at Sony I was trying to work and it was, you know, just pounding the pavement talking to everybody I could, but we were going, doing whatever we could to get in somewhere, so. Yeah, like Brad said, that's like a leap of faith though, right? You're like, you just worked on Ratchet and Clank, pretty big game, and yeah. you're like, uh, but this looks pretty good. I can probably get my game ported over. Um, so it's still, it's still a chance, right? It was very, it was very chancy, and you know, we had the nest egg action and that sort of thing, and um, it was, it was, a, it was definitely a risk. Um, but I knew, I knew based on what we had developed that it was at least decent. You know what I mean? Like it was going to work somehow. So, right, right, in, right. in terms of profitability, so yeah, it was well, scary though. Let's talk about that for a second, Nathan. I mean, that is like that. Carlos said that's a huge step, right? And like when when Weapon of Choice came out. Uh, I remember playing it for the first time. I thought it was amazing. I still love it, and I think that's one of your best games ever. I think it's a great, great game. Uh, but like when that hit, did it meet your expectations? Did you feel like, yes, this is the way forward. Yes, I can do this. Yes, my wife can relax. Now I'm going to keep making money. Or was it like, eh? Like what was what was the feeling like when you made that jump? It was terrifying, and it did not meet expectations. <laughs> expectations. It was awful. Um, 
I describe myself as a working indie. Um, I don't say triple A or triple I or anything like that. Um, I, I've not made it. Like I work every day and we make money and um, our, uh, but the cash flow is insane. It's like up, down, up, down, crazy. So normal person has a, you know, the reliability to get a paycheck hopefully and it works the same, you know, week to week. Um, Mommy's Best Games cash flow is nuts. Like we get sales and then it's dead for a while and then we'll hit sales and then I'll do a new deal with somebody or I'll do some contract work on a game. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hustling, scrambling. <laughs> like, so it's never died down. It's never gotten easier and it is a very scary thing. And we've almost, I've almost given up and gotten a day job um, several times. So hopefully I still don't have to. I just keep going and fortunately haven't um, had to yet, but my wife also has a day job, of course, too. So right, it's, right. it's rocky. It's rough out there. It's hard yeah. out there, man. That, yeah. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, I don't work in games for profit. I mean, I only do it for fun. <clears throat> I would be scared shitless if I had to work in games <laughs> as an indie. That is ridiculous. I, much props to you for doing that, man. And which, which brings me to the next point. It's been a while since we heard from you. I mean, maybe you've done some contract work that we don't know about. I'm sure I've probably played something that you've had your hands on. But it's been... I mean, how many years since the last time you released a game under the Mommy's Best Games label? It's been it's been a few, hasn't it? So, Pig Eat Ball was a big game of mine, and um, that came out in 2018. Okay. And then we released that to consoles in 2019. And so, um, <clears throat> that was a big risk and a really stupid one, um, but you know, in, in <laughs> hindsight. But basically... Um, not to make this all about Piggy Ball, but I worked on it for six years, and basically I wanted to do something new um, in terms of gameplay, um, but I also wanted it to be an arcade uh, action adventure kind of thing, and I wanted to create a new gameplay mechanic. And so I thought I was, this is around Towerfall. You guys remember that game? Oh, yeah, um, Towerfall, sure. Yeah, big deal. And so there was a lot of action in there. There was... Um, uh, sword and sorcery, um, you know, a lot of pixel art games and that sort of thing. And there was also a migration of uh, price from $5, $10, $15, $20. So now we've got, you know, prices kind of all over the place, which is great for indies. But at the time, 15 and 20 was kind of like, ooh, premium indie. Right. And so I was targeting a more expensive game for, for our development, for us making it. And so... Um, took me a while and i will even say this is going to sound even weirder uh over the course of making piggy ball over six years i think i released seven games <laughs> and um i made um finger derpy which is a mobile game very cool um if anybody it's free to play anybody can play it now it's a fantastic drunken horse racing game i also released a, a, a experimental shoot 'em up called emoji scream which is a screaming shoot 'em up. It's more of an art piece, but it's very playable. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's free on mobile. Um, very cool and very weird. It has Kim Kardashian in it, and we almost got in trouble with Google for a while there on that one. Um, not, I mean, you could go look. Um, anyway, um, it's got some art stuff, you know, artsy stuff in it. And then along the way, I did. I struggled five, six, seven, nine uh, educational and contract games. So okay. over that six-year period. Those, wow. I don't expect anybody to know about those. But, um, but, but the, I did release Finger Derpy and Emoji Scream under Mommy's Best Games and then Piggy Ball. And so, yeah. But those are departures from the run-and-gun shoot-em-up stuff that I was known for, which 
is, you know, I understand, like, that, that people aren't super into, but I just thought I was doing a good thing as a designer in terms of, like, branching out and trying new things, which I love doing, but... Well, I would say some people are not into. I would say some people are super into those. Uh, you know, your stuff has always really clicked with me very much. I love the energy and the excitement and just, like, the... I don't want to say irrationality, but the craziness <laughs> and the stuff that you bring to some of your designs is really, really cool. Um, we're going to talk about your latest in a second. But I guess, I mean, it's I, I'm sure many people listening to this podcast and many people out there probably have no experience with your previous games that were available on XBLI. And now XBLI is gone. I mean, that whole that whole ecosystem is no more. I mean, did you I mean, how do you feel about that? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for your library? Are you going to be bringing those somewhere else? I mean, like, how, how did that even affect you? How did that impact you? I thought, um, I mean, the XNA games, the X, Xbox Live indie games were great. Um, that whole community was awesome. And I really, if there's anybody listening from Microsoft, please take this to heart. Unhook <clears throat> the requirement to be online while you play those. And then basically... It would be nice because people are disconnecting their 360s from the network, and now they can't play those games. Mm. You know what I mean? You're not having yeah, your Xbox. Right, you just right. you don't have it hooked up to the internet. Anyway, it's there's a couple really tiny, tiny, simple things, uh, quality of life things that Microsoft could do if anybody was still in there that cared, and then and then so many people could still have access to those games. Um, in terms of game uh, preservation, it's a big deal, and there's some really interesting and wild and um, uh, artful important games that were released on that system. I know that there was some dumb stuff too, and that's fine, but there was some really good stuff that I, I wish more people could get a hold of. Um, that said, everybody I could get a hold of, I did, I did encourage them to release their games to Steam, and they have. Mm -hmm. um, a, lot of, a lot of people have put their games on Steam. My games are on Steam. Um, Weapon of Choice, Shoot One Up, Explosion Aid, and Game Type. Those games are all on Steam. Um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, but it is, it, it's, I'm sorry, uh, Brad, but it's sad to see okay. that uh, see that go away, though, you know, too, because, again, I was there covering all those games and that community was so awesome. And I'm wondering what you think the, the death now was of that community, because I still don't know. I just know at some point me and my buddy Nick were like, I don't think we can review games anymore because they're coming few and far between. And yeah. it seems like it's it's like just, you know, going away. Do you know why that happened or do you have ideas? I have good uh, a good understanding of it. Do you? Is there a name? Is there a word for <laughs> the important person in history? Um, you you know when there's different philosophies on how history works and how different big things uh, have have occurred, right? Um, and then like say like an Elon Musk or something like that. Like he's really moving Tesla forward, right? And he's mm -hmm. making big waves. There was a handful of very influential people inside Microsoft that basically uh, championed XNA. And they did a fantastic job. And they held back the, the, the wall of the flood. They, they held up the derrick. They kept it there as long as they could. And then just the, the typical mm, giant corporate mindset. Now, I'm not going to say typical Microsoft, because Microsoft can do some amazing things. And even with the Xbox One, um, like the uh, idea at Xbox program has done some great yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it sort of kind of comes in waves. And there was just this back, you know, backsplash of um, 
push they push forward, push on XA, and then just a reaction came back where it's just like, this is too weird. You're exposing the this new console. Everybody's getting to release all this stuff. We can't be a part of this. We're out. Right. And those people, those handful of people that were holding it up, um, just kind of they couldn't do it anymore. I mean, it was you know it was a Herculean effort. So well, that happens a lot of times. With these big companies, a few people are championing a project or an idea, and then they leave. Or they get, like you yep. said, the pressure, and they, you know, get pushed into a different department, and then it's 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 over. But what's really interesting interesting to me is that uh, Brad and I talk about this on the on the show a lot. But I go on my PlayStation Four uh, right now, similar to the Xbox One, I'm sure, and you'll see some like weird ass indie games in there, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and some are broken, like like broken. But, yeah, um, they shouldn't and, be. Yeah. And some are really fun, too, but they're getting through. So it's interesting because I feel like some of that, ah, to be a pun intended, DNA of the <laughs> X, XNA is kind of still around the console world, but I don't think it's getting that kind of like light that was shined on it back in XNA days. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I've seen some of those games as well, and I think you're right. And I think what was really just amazing about XNA and Xbox Live Indie Games on the 360 was the consolidation of it all. Like like you said, the light, where it just got a lot of attention, and it was really cool, and it was all in one spot, and it was, you know, neat to go visit. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, and it just, I'll say this in terms of, like, uh, creativity and um, for myself, um, it takes a lot of uh, um, motivation, uh, you know, to do to do things, and so I, I can imagine the people involved at the time, championing X and A. You know, you get excited about it, and you get pumped about it, and you're like, "Yes, let's do this thing." But then to keep that energy level and to keep everybody else calm inside that big company that's worried about you know getting sued or something weird coming out, and not be, you know, for so long, it eventually you kind of can't keep that energy up for that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's very true. Doing something different making waves, trying new ideas is always a risky proposition. And if it doesn't explode right away, like if money doesn't come pouring in, there's a lot of people out there waiting oh, to call it done and move on. Right. So I totally get that a hundred percent. But you know, I mean, we actually owe you and a lot of XBLI thanks because if it wasn't for that movement, it wasn't for XNA, if it wasn't for that presence being there on the 360, I don't know that we would have as many indies in existence right now. We probably wouldn't have as many indies available on console. I mean, I can go into the switch. There's like, like literally not exaggerating hundreds of indie games on there that I probably wouldn't have access to anywhere else other than like steam certainly yeah. not on like the other consoles and the fact that they're there the fact that they're also on X- Xbox one on PS4 like I mean a lot of that is directly due to the work you guys did back then I don't think it's ridiculous to connect the open platforms of current consoles back to XNA I don't I think it's I think it's very possible oh that's a direct line that's a direct yeah, line that I think. those yeah. those were caused those were reactions to the good work that was happening back then for, you know, for them to expose a console like that. So I know I, I run into younger developers online that'll say they got inspired by, you know, Weapon of Choice in my earlier games, and which is really cool to hear. And they're just like, they're in it because of, you know, that. And I know, and I was, you know, like James Silva, Scott Studios, he makes great action games and he's really popular. And so I'm sure he gets even more people, you know, he inspired even more people. So it's right. right. Yeah. It reached out there. Well, all right. Let's enough. Uh, let's talk about past past stuff is good. Let's talk about present stuff. right now. <laughs> so the reason we brought you on the show, I mean, obviously cool guy. We like you a lot, Nathan, but you <laughs> have you. recently released a 
quote-unquote new game on Switch, although it's actually kind of an old game, uh, Shoot One Up DX, which was, I mean, the original debut of that game was on the 316 XBLI, correct? Yes, February right. 2010. 2010, wow. It has, yeah. been, it has been that long. Okay. It has. <laughs> Made my heart stop for a second there, buddy. <laughs> uh, so now it's on the Switch. Tell us about that. Why did you bring Shoot One Up to the Switch? Why did you choose that one out of all the other games you could have chosen? And what was that like? Um... It was it was pretty good to do. Um, what happened was, I've been working with. Um, I live in Indiana, and I know a, a nearby developer. They live over in Kentucky, and they are really doing good work with Unity, um, with uh, the Unity system. So they're getting better and better at porting games with the Unity system. I worked with them. Um, that their group's uh, Super Soul is the name of it, and I worked with them for Piggy Ball, and so they helped ensure that Piggy Ball got ported, and it's been released to Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and Steam. And working with them, we saw that, you know, we worked pretty well together. And um, Shoot One Up was built in XNA and C Sharp, and um, we, just, we just started talking about it. We are like, well, what if, and I'll go ahead and tell you guys, um, we're going to release everything. So Explosion Aid DX, Weapon of Choice DX, we're going to do deluxe versions of all these games. And, but the conversation was, well, what if we get this sort of this pipeline of porting XNA over to Unity and then being able to port um, each game to all three systems? And uh, we worked on it over the, basically the course of this year. Um, early in January, before everything exploded, I was working on Shoot One Up DX, the content. So for anybody that's played Shoot One Up um, on Steam or um, on back on the Xbox 360, there is new content in this um, DX version. So um, you can get it on Switch right now in North America. And hopefully um, in December, we'll be through, oh we, yeah, it's been announced, December 4th for Xbox One, and hopefully December 4th for PS4. Nice. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So tell us about it. I mean, I am very familiar with it. You were very gracious enough to give me and Carlos codes. I mean, I played it back in the day. I played it again, played through it. Carlos, you played through uh, Shoot One Up for the tonight's interview, correct? Yeah, 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 on the Switch, yeah. Would you like to give us a really brief capsule about what it's about, Nathan? Sure. So Shoot One Up DX is a shoot 'em up a traditional shoot 'em up non-roguelike. And the cool twist is you play all your ships at the same time. You play all your lives at the same time. So instead of having a stock of three ships... You play all three ships um, simultaneously. It's like a phalanx, like this group of fighters. And you're flying through the air. All of them are getting to shoot bullets. And the risk-reward of the game is to expand your ships apart while you're holding down shoot. And the giant mega beam, the plasma auger, starts shooting out. So you get like a giant Batsugan, um, you know, uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z shot comes out of your, your ships. So if you want to play it safe, you contract them real tiny and try to weave through enemy bullets. And if you want to deal this massive damage, you can expand. And you can also shoot with like little bullets. And the really crazy part is you can get up to 30 playable ships simultaneously. It's nuts. Oh, 30 playable ships is amazing. Yes. It's I, good, I think I got like 10 maybe or 10 or 15. <laughs> and the, and the design of the game is to draw in more shoot 'em up players. Um, the design of the game is not to be the hardest game at all or anything like that because shoot 'em ups can be very hard. It is, it is not a bullet hell style game, a bullet curtain game like a lot of popular games are. Um, it's not supposed to be that intimidating. Um, it's got uh, easy, medium, hard called chilled, normal, and serious. And even on serious mode, it's a decent challenge. It's not supposed to be super hard, but 
the, the tuning of the game was really important for me to make sure that you always felt like you were hanging on, but also being challenged and making sure that it just felt really satisfying that way. I, I well, got to say, I, I, oh, yeah, go ahead, Brad. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I was actually going to throw it to you because I love this game. I could talk about oh. it forever. But, Carlos, I wanted to know what you thought of it. And, yeah, you know, well, tell me the truth as if Nathan wasn't here. What did you actually think <laughs> yeah, of it? Yeah, this game is not good, all right? I do not <laughs> like this game. This is a bad game. Um, no, no, no. I really, really like it. And I actually, um, you know, I, I love the background graphics for one thing. I just love every – I always like looking down at, nice. all, at all the things I was flying over. And I was like – forgetting the action because I was like, whoa, that's a huge sword that's just on the ground. Um, and of course the lady level, there's a yeah, the lady bunch level, of lady yeah. levels. Um, but no, I really liked it because I don't like the bullet hell shooters. Um, and I'm old enough to have played all those old school shooters that were really hard in the arcade. And I even didn't like them back then, you know, like I'd rather play more of um, an adventure game or a platformer. So for me, that's never been like a draw. Um, I love this game because this made me just feel relaxed and nice. like there's still challenge, but because at some point there's like actually directions too. So you can choose where you want to go a little bit. Right. So you can choose a kind of a, what's a fork in the road or whatever. And mm -hmm. so I was making those decisions. I was uh, looking at the, the really great artwork and I just had the button down the whole time, right? Just, <laughs> just, just hold the button that says shoot and just don't let it up. And I just felt really, really good. I just kind of went back and forth between expanding my ships and bringing them together. And it just felt like a Zen flow mo like moment. So nice. I really appreciate it. And I feel like, um, and I hope that you make another game like this because I just want more games like this that are shooters because the other shooters make me like anxious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. That's great. Yeah. Well, Brad, you know, the thing I like... Oh, go ahead, Nathan. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you had mentioned, what were your thoughts on it? And if you imagined a sequel, did you like the Zen elements or did you want more complications? Did you wish the game had more going on or what? how do you feel about it? I'm well, curious. I think I think the thing that I like most about it is the thing that I actually like about like all of your games. Like You managed to find a twist of an idea or a new idea or some kind of new theme that I just haven't really encountered before in the way that you interpret it. Like, so for example, in this particular game, like you said, like you have, instead of racking up extra lives, you've got all your lives on the ship and you can condense them down to take up the space of one ship or you can expand them. So if you've got 30 lives, you can be as big as one ship. Or if you push the button to spread them out, you have this giant like cloud of friendly ships that are all kind of hovering together. And like you said, the risk reward of that is really good. I love the the moment to moment kind of like management of the beam. Like it's not even really about dodging, which I'm glad it's not like, I'm not up for bullet hells. I don't like that kind of a, that kind of a game, but I, it doesn't feel like that to me because uh, for me, the beauty of it is like having this brand new mechanic where if you spread out and you're more vulnerable to getting hit because your cloud of ships is larger, you know, you've got this giant beam. So like, you're just like laying waste to everything. Uh, and like the going, like shrinking, getting bigger, shrinking, getting bigger is really, really cool. And I think that, that, um, Innovation is something that you bring to all of your games that run XBLI. And that was re what really um, brought you my attention at first because I'm always on the hunt for something new and different. And you keep bringing it like every single time, which is, you know, kudos to you because not everybody can do that. Um, with this specific game, I mean, I love what it does. And I, I, I think this is such a cool idea. Like I would totally be up for a sequel. And I wouldn't want it to be like busier. Like I wouldn't want it to be harder. But I think for me, I would love to see this amazing mechanic um, implemented in a few different ways. Like maybe have a little bit more... 
uh, environmental interaction. Maybe sometimes the environment squeezes you in, so you have to get smaller. Maybe sometimes mm-hmm. there's some kind of other environmental reason for spreading out. Maybe you've got to balance that up. Maybe there's you know certain enemies where it just takes forever if you can't get that big laser out, but it's also problematic because of other factors. I mean, it seems like there's a lot to do, and I think that this particular um, mechanic is so rich, and it's so good, and it's so different. I think there's, I, I would just love to see more done with it. And not to, not to say that you haven't done a lot with it, but I think, sure. you know, you got a great idea, you've established it, and I think there's so much room to grow because it's so fertile. And I would really encourage any shooter fans or even fans out there who just like indies or different things who maybe are not particularly a shooter fan, like check this one out because it doesn't feel like ever the shooter and the, the idea of what's going on in the gameplay I think is so radically different from other stuff out there. Totally worth a purchase, totally worth checking out. And I'm not saying that just because you're here. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's good I'm to a, hear. I'm going to say one more thing positively, be, uh, you know, just so just deal with it. I know it's hard for me <laughs> to take compliments, but uh, here comes something else positive. Uh, I would say that I was just playing, um, and Brad and I are going to talk about this on the show later, but I just got the Oculus Quest 2, and I've been playing a lot of different games on that. And one of the games I'm playing is Beat Saber because everybody has to play Beat Saber. It's like a rite of passage mm-hmm. with VR. And it that flow that I feel in Beat Saber, which, by the way, is freaking amazing um Mm. is what i felt playing your game i really did feel the same thing and so for me i would say more of that or if anything just like go head first into that so some of the levels maybe there is some rhythm mechanic or maybe there is some sort of you know you know that the the flow is happening so maybe the world around you kind of adapts to that um i just think Mm. go go head first into that because that's what i really felt um it just felt similar today when i was playing Beat Saber. I was like, yeah, I'm in the flow. Like I was last night when I was shooting all those things. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, guys, I think we're going to wrap up in a minute, but I have a couple more questions here before we let you go, Nathan. I know you got to get back uh, to that delicious pumpkin pie you were telling me about earlier. I wish I had a slice <laughs> here. Uh, before we let you go, I did want to know two things. So number one, specifically about uh, Shoot One Up DX. Uh, where did you like get the concept for the, the shrink and expand mechanic? It's so different and so unlike any other shooter out there i mean what like do you remember like were you like sitting on the toilet one day and you got struck no. by lightning or you watching tv or something so how did it come to you i had the multiple ship gameplay working so that was already going and it was a shoot 'em up with multiple ships and honestly it was a friend and a friend of mine um i'm friends with the guy that made the baker's edge i don't know if you've ever heard of that cookware but he's a he's an inventor, and anyway, he and I were <laughs> that took a turn. You kind of threw me for a loop there for a second. Yeah, yeah. The Baker's Edge. It's really good at making brownies. Anyway, it's an invention. So he and I are just old friends, and we were talking on the phone about shoot one up the the, the gameplay as I had it, and we were riffing on risk reward concepts. And I'll I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I think that's one of the best risk rewards I've ever created in a game so far, and I still go back to trying to make that work, making sure that my games have something like that. I think it's really good in an action game to have a lot of risk reward that's like clear and interesting. And so, yeah, we just kind of um, came up with that one on the phone, thinking about what to do. That is not the answer I was expecting. Brownies and <laughs> and uh, and cookware. Deciding, helping. Yeah, I mean my my logo is a is an apple pie, so there's true, a lot of true. brownies and cookware going on. Baked goods into the DNA of Mommy's Best Games, clearly. Yes. Um, one more question for me, Carlos, and if you have anything else, uh, feel free to jump in there. But I so a while ago, I I got to be honest with you, man. It's been so long. 
I kind of have forgotten what even happened, but a while ago you and I were talking about Grapple Buggy. That was supposed to be like mm. your next game. And I remember being really excited about it. I love the idea of it. And I got to be honest, man, I was like, did that come out? Like what happened to Grapple Buggy? <laughs> Where did that go? What is the status of Grapple Buggy? I need to know. Grapple Buggy was going to be our second game after Weapon of Choice. And um, basically I started working on it and then I shifted gears and made shoot one up. And the reason is, is it started to get so big, I wasn't sure if I could release it in, in, on our budget still. So I stopped development of it. And everybody, you know, and I even took it to a PAX East show, and it got attention and people liked it. And then uh, about five years after that, I started development on it again. And ran out of money again, essentially, um, and, and stopped development on it. And what's happened is, I've told myself, I'm not going to start a third time until I know I can finish it. <laughs> and so oh, it's man. in perpetual stasis, basically, unfortunately. Okay. Because I've yeah. seen pictures. I feel like I even maybe played a prototype. I could be you imagining probably that. Did. Yeah, I probably, probably did. probably did, but maybe, yeah. Yes. And I remember really liking it a lot. And I'm like, man, I'm really Thanks. excited. I love Nathan's stuff. It's coming out. And then... I man, I was racking my brain before the show. And I'm like, God, did I even play that? What happened? And I'm sad to hear that it is uh, kind of, I guess, just in in a cryo tube somewhere, waiting for its turn to thaw. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of um, designers, musicians, artists have a problem, and I have, and I'm saying this because I have this problem, where as you're creating something, if you see someone else making something similar, that motivation, that spark, starts to dampen, starts to go. And there's an old uh, episode of Northern Exposure where Chris in the Morning wants to do this art piece where he wants to catapult a cow. And um, <laughs> then he finds out some German artist already did it. Now he doesn't want to do it. It's like, it's done. Nice. I hate this. So I was working on Grapple Buggy the second time in secret and Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet by mm, that French yeah. artist that's really good. Um, yeah. he, that started coming out. And I, was, I just threw up my hands. I, and I'm telling you, man, that, um, I don't know, for me, that motivation, that um, spark is a big deal. And um, if I don't have it, um, things don't get created. So, yeah, yeah it's crazy. That's, it's fickle. That's, that's huge for me because I, I create a bunch of stuff too. And that kind of leads into my, one of my last questions is, is how do you finish things? Because, um, you know, I have a, a problem where I create too many things. And mm. finishing things is hard, especially when you kind of on a flip side when I, I kind of get inspired by everything. Like, like I could see like a squirrel mm -hmm. run by on the street and go like, Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a squirrel game or uh, this song about squirrels or something. But uh, that's a weird squirrel example. Uh, <laughs> but, but finishing like, so finishing games, I'm, I'm working on an RPG right now. And like, uh -huh. I've, I've heard a lot of people and indie developers talk about, you know, their process of how they finish a game because it gets hard because you get in the middle and you're like, when is this thing done? Or, you know, just yeah. daily life takes its toll on you. And you're like, really, I'm going to do this again, even though I love this game, how am I going to finish it? So my, my question is, how do you finish a game? First of all, um, I did make a squirrel game in college. Oh, shit. <laughs> I know this reason I brought up the squirrel. My oh, mom did, it's funny that you say that. My mom to this day will tell you that's her favorite game I've ever made. Oh, my um, goodness. The, the cute squirrel game. It only had about two levels. I never finished it. It's funny that you also bring that up. Wow. It might be cursed. Squirrels might be cursed. 
um, <laughs> if you try to finish them artistically. Um, <clears throat> so, first of all, kudos to anybody that's ever finished anything artistically. It's really hard <laughs> right, to exactly. do. Um, so, w what I find helpful is to think of a drawing as an analogy. And so, if you're going to draw, like, let's just say a, a space marine, a cool, beefy, tough space marine from Warhammer 40K or something like that, um, don't get on the shoulder pad and draw these sweet, sweet armor pieces and then just go nuts on the armor and then you get down to his elbow and then you're like, I don't know what these proportions are going to be like. And then give up. So when you when I when I draw something, you need to sketch the whole thing in so that yep. you know what you're drawing. And so when I'm designing a game, it's a little crazy um and it doesn't always work, but I try to sketch in the whole thing on a document. And for instance, Piggy Ball had six worlds originally. It also had online multiplayer. And as you go down the line, you start to refine things and you just go, I just took a hatchet to it and I was just like, World 6 was going to be awesome. It was called Electric uh, Speedway and it was going to be like this lightning world and racing world and stuff like that. It's on the cutting room floor. Um, online multiplayer was easy. Nope, we're not doing that. And you just start hacking things down. <laughs> and so the big thing, especially in terms of whatever, I don't know, you know, music or games or whatever you're, you're making um, is scope. And yeah. you definitely, if you're new to anything, start small. And you will get more and more experience because making a game end-to-end, -end, menus, the save system, versioning, bullshit like that, it's really annoying, but you'll get your head all the way around it. You know what I mean? And so there's a lot more to it than just making the cool graphics and, like, you know, popping a wheelie. Yeah. So, um so yeah, if you can make a tiny project, even a mobile game, um, I was telling another designer friend that actually was one of the level designers on Piggy Ball, he was getting into solo development himself. And he was asking me about it, and he wasn't, wasn't a programmer by trade, but he was getting into it, and I told him, make a text adventure. Design a text adventure, and, and it's just program that. Like, that's, that, that works on anything, and it's, it's basically almost pure design. And then, now the next he's done that, and now the next thing he's working on is a um, touch screen uh, match three game, but with a twist. Like, right. You know, match three is simultaneously boring, but also very exciting, because you can have an infinite variety in that. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's very small and simple to get your head around what is the twist. So I said, just go nuts with something like, I don't care, match three or not match three, whatever, slide game, block touching, anything. And he's already making a really cool thing there. Um, but it's a small game. It's a small, you know, and, and then, you know, you can quickly go, oh, what if there's 100 more levels? But, yeah. you know, but at least you kind of, you can gauge your motivation at that point and say, do I keep, you know, for your squirrel song, for instance, do you need five <laughs> more verses? No. You know what I mean? Like, once no, you've got it doesn't have online squirrel, multiplayer either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't need <laughs> multiplayer. But, you know, like, once you get that core, that kernel of it, like, what is this? It's like, why am I making this thing? Right. What is the really cool thing that's going to blow someone's mind when I tell them about that squirrel game or that squirrel song or whatever? You know, when I tell them about Pig Eat Ball, it's Pac-Man, but you get fatter while you eat. Like, 
Yeah. And then immediately they're like, what? What do you, how does that work? I'm like, well, okay, $15 and you can find out. <laughs> nice. <So laughs> nice. You know, so. Um, yeah, yeah, so you scope gotta, and, and size then really. And scope, scoping things out in size. Sketch it in, you know what I mean? Get your head around it. Like that's what, you know, design it, like draw it out, whatever, write it out. You just got to get your head around what in the hell am I making and why am I making it? Right. It's funny you mentioned text adventures because I just finished one recently because uh, nice. I started using Twine uh, again. And it's such a great tool, I guess, for anybody out there listening. Uh, if you want to make a text adventure pretty quickly and easily, Twine is awesome. Um, and, yeah, just finishing that was like, okay, I, I told that little story and maybe feel, nice. like, you know, energized to work on the next thing, which, of course, is the Squirrel Song and Squirrel Game com Companion. You it. said RPG. No, I know, I know. Personally, well, wait, wait, it's a squirrel RPG. <laughs> Personally, I would steer you away from that, but then also <clears throat> you might be making the next um, uh, Stardew Valley or whatever. So I don't want to stop you, you know. So no, no, but but it, it's interesting, and I'll end my thought on on this here is because um, you're totally right about scoping it out, but also starting small. And so my text adventure actually did lead me into kind of some story ideas. And the RPG is not going to be an epic RPG. I think when people hear role-playing game, they're yeah. like, okay, this is going to be this epic thing. No, no, no. I'm actually making something that's a little simple and it's more of like story-based. And so mm -hmm. it will tell a story in an RPG kind of way. But yeah, it's definitely going to be a smaller type thing. So I good advice. Just, yeah, thank you. I'm glad if it's helpful at all. That's wonderful. I, I started watching the sh that show High Score on Netflix, and I personally love video game documentaries oh, i love so books I. I love history i love the, the the industry stories and i've known a lot of those stories but it's a pretty good show and the third episode is about um richard garriott i brought him up earlier and uh, roberta williams and to hear her describe her games is really inspiring i'm like i want to make a game like that that's so interesting the yeah. choice <laughs> you know and and um uh, I think Sid Meier was really big on, you know, talk about choice, and um, I, th I just think it's wonderful. So, yeah, it's oh, exciting. That's, to... that's awesome you bring that up because, by the way, I, I think I might rewatch that series because that series is amazing. And um, and having got to know Richard a little bit, like, and, and to see him in there again, uh, and all that inspiration just washed over me again. And, yeah, her story as well and how she just had a piece of paper and was like, what do I want to make? You know, <laughs> let's, let's just, I just try something. It. Yeah, between her, that and then like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, where it's like, it's so interesting that instead of being tied to a certain gameplay mechanic, which is what I love, and I love to play and love to make, but it's neat to consider giving the player more choice. It can, yeah. It's dangerous, but also really interesting. So anyway. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, guys, uh, this has been a really good discussion. Nathan, I'm really glad that you were here. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, one really quick thing before we let you go. Uh, you spoke earlier about bringing the rest of your library to Switch. Can you tell us exactly which games are coming? Sure. Um, after Shoot One Up DX should finish on all consoles on December 4th, um, we are next working on Explosion Aid, which is a 2D mech game with a cool bubble shield uh, gameplay mechanic. Loving and then that after one. that will be Weapon of Choice. And which we're is doing, great. Thank you. We're doing, um, basically we're doing you know, full console ports. Um, the graphics are all have all been up-res to 4K. Okay. And, um, and like, Shoot 1UP got the most work, additional work, but honestly, um, like, uh, Explosion Aid and Weapon of Choice have a bunch of work already done on them on the Steam versions. So oh, we're, um, we're bringing those versions over to console. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Now, once those are done, I'm sure, and I, you, you mentioned you're working with some people to help port that. Uh, once that's done and those are out of the way, are you looking to do more under your own label or what's near in the future for you in terms of new things? Yeah, I'm, I've been working on another project and I'm really, really excited about it and happy to say that it is in line with the old stuff, but in the best way possible. <laughs> so let's just say that. <laughs> All right. We're going to end on that coy note, I think. Thank you so much for being here, Nathan. Oh, it's been a super pleasure. I'd love talking to you guys. Yeah, all thanks right, so great. much, man. Yes, thanks. thanks so much. Thanks for the code. Thanks for the memories. Thanks for all the good times you brought us, Nathan. I'm sure <laughs> we will be talking again. Good night, good sirs. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.